much time. So just go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah. You, you can go down. Let's just um, do some little Bible reading quickly. And then we may have some time after that to still do some worship and praise tonight. Hallelujah. But um, whether or not we do more of this tonight, definitely tomorrow is going to be a lot of praise and worship. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But still in the spirit of CRC and the lessons we've been embracing over the past two days, please join me in Romans chapter number 12. And read from verses 3 to 8. Romans 12, 3 to 8. I don't have much time for uh, serious exegesis tonight, but I want us to just notice certain things. Take note of them. Now, to start out with, let me say this to you, that my plan initially tonight was to come and to just worship. Hallelujah. Uh, my session tonight, I thought it would be about worship. But the Lord placed these things I'm about to take us through um, in my heart to share. And whilst I was trying to figure out whether or not I should go that way, I kept hearing God tell to me that loving him, loving him is about doing what he asks me to do. The worship I want to give to him is not as important as my obedience to him. Hallelujah. Do you get that? Then he reminded me of what the Lord Jesus Christ himself said to Peter in John chapter 21. He asked Peter three times, he says, do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yes, I love you. And says, how do you demonstrate your love to me? Feed my people. He didn't say, if you love me more than this, lead them in worship. Hallelujah. He says, the proof of your love for me is that you feed them. And how do we feed the saints? The word of God. The ecclesia is fed by the word of God. So I'm going to take approximately about 20-25 minutes to run through two portions of scripture. I want you to open to Romans chapter 12. Read through 3 to 8 and then we go to somewhere in the gospel according to St. Luke as we pick a few points here and there. Are you there? From verse number 3 it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. This is a message to the Ecclesia, those who are a part of the Ecclesia. To everyone who is among you. To how many people? Every single one. This is a message to every single member of the Ecclesia. It says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And usually we think that he's just talking about being proud towards one another. But particularly, we could understand as we read on that he's also talking about don't let your concerns for yourself be unnecessarily higher than it should be. Let's read on. So he says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure or the measure of faith. Verse 4. It says, for as we have many members, hallelujah, so we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We are many members, 
but we all don't have the same function. Would you say to your neighbor, we are many members, but we all don't have the same function. I am part of the ecclesia, just as you are part of the ecclesia, but the truth of the word of God is that we don't necessarily have the same function. Hallelujah. At times, even when our functions look alike, for instance, um, praise and I may be doing the same thing, but praise has a function in Benin Republic. I have a function in Ilori in Nigeria here. So there will always be differences in our functions. Hallelujah. Verse number five. It says, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're members of one another. Verse 6 is where our emphasis begins. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. It says, having then gifts differing. Remember, he's talking to every one of us. So if he starts by saying, this is to every one of us, he's saying to every one of us that we all have gifts, even though they may be different from one another. Every one of us has a divine virtue. Every one of us has a divine ability. Every one of us has a supernatural grace. Every one of us has unique equipment. Every one of us has capabilities. Hallelujah. Would you help me tell your neighbor you are loaded with divine capacity? You have it. Hallelujah. And that's why we're reading from the scripture. It says, having then gifts Differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And I want you to underline in your Bible, let us use them. All of us have different graces. All of us have one unique, one blessed virtue or another. The Bible says, let us use them. Hallelujah. So we begin to ask ourselves questions like to what extent am I putting to use that which has been given to me? Whether you are putting it to use or not, whether you realize it or not, the scripture is telling us that you have been equipped. The scripture is telling you that you carry divine grace. The scripture is telling you that you have been uniquely gifted with abilities that are useful for the ecclesia, for the purposes of the church. It's just the truth. You may not feel it. You may not even have seen the possibilities or the potentials that you carry. People may make you feel you have nothing. But the truth of the matter is there is nobody in the ecclesia who has nothing. There's absolutely no one amongst our family that has nothing. Just like there is no cell, there is no organ in the body that is useless. There is none whatsoever. A man can say we have not found the use of this particular thing in the human body, but it has a use. Everything. So every single one of us has abilities. Every single one of us has graces. Every single one of us has capacities. Every single one of us has abilities that we carry. The Bible says... Let us use them. It tells us that the reason why you have them is so that you can use them. Hallelujah. Why do you have it? So that you can use it. You don't have it to hide. You have it to use. 
You don't have it to brag about. You have it to you. You don't have it to, uh, to feel superior to others about. You have it to use. Just like 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 2, verse number 6 and 7, it says, talking about spiritual gifts, it says, manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the profit of all. We are meant to use. Hallelujah. So, two main points we have come to arrive at as members of Ecclesia. Number one, every single one of us has something he has given us. Number two, you are to use it. You are to use it. And I, I know that some of us, you know, have discovered some of the things we carry that God has placed in us uniquely for his people and for his purposes. Some of us are still in the process of even beginning to acknowledge. But whatever it is, and that's part of why we have this conference, that the Spirit of the Lord, the ministry of the Word of God, will bring each one of us into the place where we know what we have, and we know how to use it, and we are found committed using it in the name of Jesus Christ. So I'll read from verse 6 again. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Hallelujah. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy. Hallelujah. If prophecy, use your ability to prophesy in proportion to our faith. That brings another point, but we're not going there tonight. The seven says, or ministry. The word ministry is the Greek word diakonia, which means rendering of services. To render services. Just the way MTN renders a service to you. There's services you can render to make things easier for the saints. Hallelujah. There's services you can render. Let me use one practical example in church from the brother who helps us organize our bus services. Many of you come from campus with the bus and go back. Somebody organizes it. It's a ministry. It's a service being rendered. Hallelujah. And the, we have opportunity for all sorts of services to the saints. All sorts of services to the saints and all sorts of services from the saints to the world. We have opportunity. Hallelujah. Whilst at times we refer to services to the saints as ministry and refer to services to the world as missions. Hallelujah. But we all have something to render. And the Bible says, if in ministry, then he says, use it to minister. He says, he who teaches, teaching. Some of you can really make people understand the things of God uniquely. Some of you can are helped when you begin to try to explain to people the things of God, you find yourself with uncommon inspirations. And by the time you've spoken five minutes, you discover that this person has seems to have acquired a higher and a better understanding of the things they had struggled with for so long. Hallelujah. They says, he who teaches in teaching, verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation can bring a word of encouragement, a word of instruction. Hallelujah. I remember when we were in school, back in secondary school, there were no GSMs, there were no mobile phones, there was not internet, but there was always somebody who walked up to somebody to 
give them a word of encouragement and exhortation to challenge our hearts, to help us understand that, look, uh, God has a purpose for you. Don't, don't keep struggling. Uh, just release and allow him have his way in your life. Some of you, exhortation is a service. Uh, the ability to exhort people is a divinely granted grace. Hallelujah. So if you can exhort, don't despise your ability to exhort others, to encourage others. Don't belittle it. Hallelujah. Now, it also says, he who gives with liberality. For some of us, we have an uncommon ability to give, to release things into life. You can release anything. There are people who can release anything. They can give anything to make people's lives better. And it says, if you find that you have that ability, which seems to be a, a special grace and gifting that's been given to you, it says, do it with liberality. In other words, be open-hearted. Don't, don't moderate it. Do it with liberality. Hallelujah. Then it says, he who leads with diligence. Hallelujah. Do you know that leadership is a divine grace for the ecclesia? Check yourself. Some of you have the ability to lead. You have, you have serious ability to lead, to enter into a place and to begin to make things happen. Now listen, leadership is not the person who is sitting in the front. Leadership is the person who makes things happen. It's not the person who's in front. It's the person who, by whom things get done. It's unfortunate that nowadays, every time we talk about leadership, and this is why a lot of people want to learn leadership, because they equate leadership to being the boss. Leadership to being the master. Leadership to being the CEO. In those years, I know a lot of young people used to come to me and say, Sir, can you, I want to learn leadership. And every time they spoke it, I could sense in what they were saying, what they're saying is teach me how to be a boss. No, nobody comes to you to say, teach me how to be a servant. Hallelujah. But it is the servant who is the leader. Because the true leader serves. The true leader does not sit waiting to be served. The true leader serves. His service may not be menial. His service may not be, uh, uh, you know, carrying things about all the time. But the true leader serves. The mark of true leadership is service. The absence of service is the absence of leadership. Praise God. So the Bible says, he who leads should do it with diligence. Don't be lackadaisical about uh, your abilities to serve. And then he says, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Hallelujah. Now, the second portion of scripture, which is a sequel to this that we want to read, is in the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 19. So let's go to Luke chapter 19. All in the ecclesia are graced. All of us. Hallelujah. All of us are graced. Now, uh, like I said, I don't have much time for exegesis. I'm just reading this and showing you these things. But it, you may pick, as we read in Luke chapter 19, 
that one of the things that distinguishes us is whether or not we start using what we have. All right? Some people who seem to have much more ability were not, did not start out with that amount of ability. It was by reason of use that their abilities were increased. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I said? So it is by reason of use that things in the kingdom increase. If you don't use them, and even in nature, it's by reason of use many times that natural things get better. When it's not used, you know, if you talk, if you, if you don't talk, if you don't think often, if you don't think often, you'll discover that your ability to think will diminish over time. All right? This is why they say, if you don't think, you will stink. Right? Because if you don't think regularly, if you think, you, you engage in problem-solving thinking regularly, you discover that you will develop greater capacity. If you speak often, even your speech area will develop. Whatever you use, you get better at. So Luke chapter number 19. Are you there? This time around, I begin reading from verse number 11. It's a parable that Jesus did share. And again, it speaks to us about putting to use what we have received. Amen. From verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Because he was near Jerusalem. And because they thought the kingdom of God will appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Verse 13, so he called. Now, over the past two days, the reverend did tell us that the beginning of the ecclesia is a call unto us. Praise God. It's an invitation to participate in a preparation. Hallelujah. So the master has prepared a body and you've been called to come to participate in that body. We see that same word here. Jesus in this parable talks about a nobleman and says he called 10 of his servants and delivered to them 10 minors. And that is Similar to what we're talking about, to every one of us, something has been given. Hallelujah. Something has been given to every one of us. So now we put ourselves, by reason of the consciousness of something has been given to us, into this story now. And we learn some lessons. So he says, he gave to them ten minors and said to them, do business till I come. Hallelujah. Now, so understand that now that you have joined the ecclesia, you have been given your minors, and the expectation of your Lord is that until he comes, you should be doing business with what he has given you. And business with what he has given you, I'm not talking about going to trade in stock market. Because Jesus is using this minors as a metaphor for the divine gratuities that God gives us through Christ Jesus. Amen. So he's saying you've been given abilities. Do profitable business with it. 
Engage it. Use it to engage your world in such a way that it will bring profit to you and to us particularly. Now, as you read on, you will discover that when he says do business, the profit of the business is meant to accrue to the one who gave you the gift. This is one of the reasons why you need to understand he's not talking about go to do business to make money. All right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I have given you divine virtue. Use divine virtue in the world and in the church to bring results and profit to me that will be acceptable to me. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Okay, so he says, do business. And for how long should you do that business? Until he comes. From the moment that you received, in other words, from the moment that you join the ecclesia until the day he comes or until the day you meet with him, you're meant to be doing business with divine virtues he has given you. The business in the world is to engage the world with what he has given us. Hallelujah. Verse number 14. It says, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And that is very critical. Please hear me. It is very, very critical. That when after we have received from the Lord a part in the ecclesia, and that also includes the abilities he has given to us, for us to fail to use what he has given us for his purposes is to decline his reign over our lives. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? How does Jesus reign in your life? Part of Jesus reigning in your life is you going to do business for him with what he has given you. Hallelujah. If you're not doing business in the world with what he has given you, you are resisting his reign over your life. To reign is to control. To reign is to dominate. To reign is to dictate. And saying here that these people came and said, we're not going to, we're not going to let him reign over us. Hallelujah. We're not going to let him reign over us. Listen. You cannot say the Lord is reigning on your life if you're not playing your part in the ecclesia. If the Lord really reigns in our lives, we'll play our part. A proof that the Lord is reigning in our lives is that we're playing our part. The absence of playing our part is evidence of the fact that the Lord is not reigning. He's not dictating. You know that he should reign. You wish that he should reign. You may claim that his reign He's reigning, but evidence to his reigning is that you are doing what he will have you do. Without you doing what he will have you do, he's not reigning. He should reign. Like I've taught in times past, people commonly say God is in control of everything. But the truth of the matter is that God is not in control of everybody's life the way people want to believe that God is in control. We've taught us time and time again that God should be in control of everybody's life. Amen. 
God wants to be in control of everybody's life. Number three, God is the best to be in control of anybody's life. Hallelujah. Number four is that God offers to be in control of everybody's life. Number five is that his offer is his word to you. And number six, that the extent to which God is in control of anybody's life is the extent to which that person aligns with the word of God to his life. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Can I say that again so you understand it? People claim that God is in charge of my life. We agree that God is sovereign. We agree that God is omnipotent. We agree that he, he can do anything. And people say, God is in charge of my life. No, 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 it is not true. We agree that, yes, God is the best person to be in charge of our lives. Number two, we agree that God indeed should be in charge of our life. Number three, we agree that God offers to be in charge of our life. Number four, we agree that his word is his offer. Finally, we agree that the extent to which the Lord is in charge of your life is the extent to which you embrace his word. Hallelujah. God cannot be, be responsible a life that fails to embrace what he has said to him. So embrace the word of God. So here, because my time is up, it says we'll not have this man reign over us. Verse 15. And so it was that when he returned, so now he gave, he called them, he equipped them, he mandated them, he went. But never forget, someday he shall return. And the Bible says, when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him. So there's going to be a day of accountability, a moment of appearance, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Can I tell you this? That the expectation of your Lord is that you should present gain to him. Hallelujah. The expectation of your Lord is that your life should present him with gain, with profit. The Lord expects you to make, make presentations of profit to him. And so he says that he may know how much, how much every man had gained by trading. Please understand. That the value you're bringing to the purposes of God in the Ecclesia is being measured. Hallelujah. It's been measured. There's measurement to it. The Lord knows the quality of what you're doing. I've always said it, and it's from scripture, how the Bible says that every man's work will be tried with fire. And I commonly say because it's a concern in my heart, how that many Christians are likely to suffer loss. When we stand before the Lord. It's not a loss of depart from me. It's a loss of many of the things we spent our lives doing. Will really not count before the Lord. Because the business he said we should do. Is it the business we are doing? Are we bringing profit to the Lord is the question. Verse number 16. Then came the first saying, Master, your minor has earned 10 
miners. Can I ask you a question? Who's miner? The master's miner has earned another 10 miners. God exp expects you. You see, God is, he, he doesn't expect you to bring him profit by your own abilities. Where, one thing about the Lord is, for him to ever ask you for anything, it means he has supplied it. He, he will never, in fact, uh, one of the things you should know, know about the Lord is, uh, you can know what God has given you by what he's asking you. You can know how, how, how prosperous you are by the demands he's placing on you. Because if, if God says, go and do that, X, Y, Z, it is proof to you that he has provided for you the material for X, Y, Z. Hallelujah. So every time God places a big demand on you, rather than grumble, rejoice. Rejoice because it is an evidence to you that the Lord has supplied capacity to do big things to you. I love the statement uh, made by Abraham when Isaac asked him the question on the way to the sacrifice. He said, Father, I see the wood. Father, I see the knife. But I do not see the lamb for the sacrifice. Abraham prophetically declared. He said, God shall provide for himself a lamb. Hallelujah. Listen, you, you, you cannot be walking with God and expect to pay your fare through life. It doesn't happen. If you walk with God, which means you submit to his demands for your life, he will pay the passage for those demands to be met by himself. That statement blesses me so much. How will I do this? He says, the Lord shall provide for himself. Note he did not say he shall provide for us. He shall provide for himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Now, I want to say to you plainly, except you are not walking in his agenda. And that's why his agenda is the, best, the only place to be for us. Because when we are in his agenda, he provides for himself what it takes to supply that agenda. If his agenda is for you to travel around the world, the Lord will supply for himself what it will take for you to go around the world. Hallelujah. So he said, verse number, verse number 16, he says, your miner has earned 10 miners. What God gives you will bring great profit. And bring great profit to God and also to you. Can I, can I link this scripture to when the Lord sent the disciples out? He asks still in the book of Luke. He says, when I sent you out without scrip, without bread, without sandal. He says, did you lack anything? They said, no. You see, what you need to realize is that our state of well-being is not determined by what he doesn't give us. It's determined by how well we use what he gives us. Did, did you, did, do you understand what I just said? Now, he sent them out. 
two by two with the Holy Ghost. He said, go heal the sick and do all sorts of things. Preach the kingdom. He said, go. He gave them a mandate, but he gave them no clothes. He gave them a mandate. He gave them no car. He gave them a mandate. He gave them no bag. He gave them a mandate. He gave them no money. But when they went, they did not lack anything he did not give them. Because the supply of all they needed is within what he gives them. But what he gives them is not the material things. Hallelujah. So here we see again that the scriptures tell us, he says, your miner has earned 10 miners. Verse 17, because my time is up. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Can you say that is my testimony in the name of Jesus? May that be your testimony in the name of Jesus. It says, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Praise God. Don't despise the days of little beginnings. Don't despise the moments when God gives you little things to do. Sweep, you know, Reverend was telling us yesterday, the journey never starts big time. The journey always starts with little things. The journey never starts with something humongous. Hallelujah. We all know Don Muen, Don, Don Muen today. Praise God. We all know Don Muen today. Don Muen was, was a very poor pianist. Until someday in somebody's meeting, you know, he didn't have a choice but to sit down and he just started playing and he started playing and gradually, you know, he kept going and all of a sudden, someday everybody in the world got to know Don Muen. Hallelujah. It's always in little things, days of little beginnings. Preach there. Talk to this person. In fact, you want to preach to crowds. You who has not been able to preach to one. You, you want to preach to crowds. You who has not been able to witness to your neighbor. It is in these little steps. These little, little steps that it begins. You want to be a mighty man of God. And yet you are not able to consistently attend church services. It's not going to happen that way. So, little, little things. You have to learn to be faithful in little things. Hallelujah. Little things. Little things like be present to open doors. Be present to organize. Be present. Just even be present to start out with. For many of us, the first little thing is be present. But you can't be present and you expect God to do great things through you. He says, the second came in verse number 18. Master, your miner has earned five miners. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Verse 20, then another came saying, Master, here is your miner. Untouched, unutilized. As a matter of fact, I wrapped it well in a handkerchief. I protected it for you. So that when you ask for it, because I know you ask for it. He says, for I fear you. Because you are an austere man. He says, you collect what you did not deposit. Hallelujah. You collect what you did not deposit. 
Now, what he's doing there is he's drawing a line between what is his and what belongs to the Lord. And that is where we make mistakes many times. When our job becomes more important to us than the mind of the Lord. When our progress becomes our priority as against what the Lord has equipped us to do for him. When our families become more important. He says you want to collect what is not yours to collect. Hallelujah. If I will labor. Let me know that I'm laboring for myself. I cannot be laboring for another. So he's drawing a line of demarcation. Between what he says can be for you. And what is yours. So this is yours. I cannot afford to use what is mine, my abilities, my time particularly, my sacrifice to produce things for you. Hallelujah. And look at what the Lord says to him. He says, verse 20, and he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have, have collected it with interest? Listen to me. There is a law in the spirit. Everything must yield interest to the Lord. It is forbidden. That any spiritual virtue we receive should not progress to the place of interest. Everything must yield interest. He said the least you could have done was put it in the bank. Hallelujah. Because presenting it to me the way I gave it to you is unacceptable. It must have evolved. In your custody, it must have become better. In your custody, it must have produced something more than it was. In your custody, its value must have become enhanced. Hallelujah. And it calls us to check consistently and continually about our lives and ask the question, to what extent have the divine graces and virtues that the Lord deposited in me improved? To what extent have they evolved? How much better are they now? What have they been able to produce? In the church and outside the church. These things that the Lord has given me. What have they been able to bring as greater honor to him? Have they been able to translate into a greater popularity of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have they been able to translate into greater comfort for his people? Has it been able to translate into greater knowledge for his people? Has it been able to translate into better opportunity for his people? Has it translated into better life? For the people in the kingdom, how has my life translated into better things for the people of God? It's not okay to live for yourself. Your life must translate. It must translate into the improvement. Like pray mention of very, very truthfully. He says everyone is either gathering into the kingdom scattering from the kingdom now that includes even if you're doing nothing if you're doing nothing you're the one who thinks you're doing nothing 
It is sending a signal to somebody that it is okay to do nothing. And for everyone who gets the signal from your life that it's okay to do nothing, you've scattered them. Hallelujah. This is why we say we must be distinct. You see, you are called out so that those who are in the world will see that there is a better option. But you see, having been called out, we still live life in such a way that at times, they look at us and think it is okay to still do this. You see, when you see, for instance, for instance, when we're in church, and for instance, we're doing Thanksgiving tomorrow, and we're dancing, and then we see people twerking. We see people twerking. We see people twerking. What is the message? The people in the world see it as being okay. In other words, we can't ask them to come out. Because what we're asking them to come out from is inside where we're calling them to. How do you convince a person that outside and inside are the same thing? This is where our consecration must be serious. Listen, you must, you and I must live lives that nobody can mistaken and say, is he a Christian? Is he not a Christian? No. Nobody should be able, nobody should have an encounter with you and be unsure. Whether in your speech, that's why you don't say, you don't say things. You don't say things that they say. Because when you say what they say, you tell them it's okay to say it. You don't wear what they wear because when you, you know, that's why I keep picking a fight with people. Young ladies, beautiful as you are, anointed, you want to serve the Lord, but you still want to slay. So you say it's okay to pray and to slay. You're a scatterer. I'm telling you, you're a scatterer. You're scattering. Because some person who never wanted to come to Jesus Christ will pick your word as an excuse. And say, we can keep slaying. But the Lord Jesus doesn't want any woman to be a slayer. No. They're called to be a royal priesthood, holy nation, his precious people. There must be a sharp distinction, a clear demarcation. Between us and them. Hallelujah. I see a lot of things we do on the internet now. And people are getting confused. People are getting confused. It's the same strategy the devil used to change the message of the church. Listen. Every time church. For any significant period of time. Preaches messages. That unbelievers can gain from. We missed it. Hallelujah. I preach a message that an unbeliever says, oh yeah, this is good. I've learned something here. No. That's a bad message. I can use this. No. An unbeliever cannot use what I preach. An unbeliever should not be able to use what I preach. The only usefulness of my message to an unbeliever is to bring him the conviction of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment of God. But now we have messages. We have messages that we cut clips. You know? That is why people will listen to our messages of marriage. And you will see unbelievers rejoicing in our messages of marriage. Why? Because we're not talking about Christ Jesus and the way he wants the church to be. We're talking about be romantic to your wife. Be romantic to your husband. You know, rob her head. 
Uh, don't be too spiritual. Valentine is around the corner. Take her to some place where you can eat. And the unbeliever is saying, yes, this is the message. No, that is not the message. You are, you are talking nonsense. You are making life easier for the unbeliever to stay in his unbelief. Our preaching should not make it easier for an unbeliever to continue. Our preaching should make them uncomfortable. They should not like our preaching until they are ready to be saved. They should not like our preaching. Hallelujah. When we minister in song, I used to have a grouse with people. You're doing a music video. And all you're talking about is, he took me from, he took me from Ajagule. And now he has put me in VGC. Hallelujah. And you put, you put what do you call it? Uh, big, you stand in front of somebody's house. You go and borrow somebody's car. And you know, and you get some of our sisters too now. They dress one kind. And they're dancing like this in front of this thing. You get, praise God. And unbelievers enjoying the groove. And you say, oh, yay. And everybody's having a nice time. We're confusing them. Because that's not what Jesus does. Jesus' business is not moving people from Ajagule to VGC. That's not what he shed his blood for. That's not what he shed his blood for. Don't confuse the world. Hallelujah. Even if he moved you from Ajagule to VGC, praise God, that is not something to use as message. It never saved anybody. It can never save anybody. It will never save anybody. Your beautiful car that God gave you will never save anybody. Cannot. If anything, it's a point of validation on their part. When they say, ah, is that your gospel? That God gave you 2023 Toyota Prado. He said, don't worry. I will show you that you don't have a testimony. I will, I will bring you three in the next 24 hours. Because that's not our gospel. That's not the gospel. That's not the life. That's not what God called you to. That's not what God called you to. That's not what he equipped you from. You see, I've always told people, and please never forget this. Anything you call your purpose in life that an unbeliever can do is not your purpose. Cannot be your purpose. Let me put this in another way. Anything you call your purpose in life that you don't need the Holy Ghost to do it is not your purpose. If a natural man can do it, it's not your purpose. It can be at best your platform. But it is not your purpose. You see, the issues of purpose for those of us who are in the ecclesia require that first of all, he calls us out from the general population. And then he equips us. He frees us from the condemnation and the guilt and the burden of sin. Our hearts are light. Our consciences are cleansed from every dead work to serve the living God. And then he pours upon us the Holy Ghost and empowerment to be able to do things that ordinary man cannot do. That's what he has called us to. It's not called us to validate the world. It's not called us to validate the world. It's called us to demonstrate the reality of the life, the power of the church of Jesus Christ. Let us make sure we're not confusing the world. You know, let me close with this. I've always said it. I'll keep saying it. At times people ask me, many of my Muslim people, Know that now, that you can't be doing a celebration and I will greet you. You can't. 
You can't see me greet you happy Eid something. And one or two of them who have dared to ask me why, I say, thank you, this is the answer to my prayer. Because I've always been looking for a way to tell you that I would rather that you come to be a Christian than that you continue in this way. That's why I won't greet you. You know, every time you greet a person, happy Eid, you have just congratulated them on their path. The question now is, you've validated them. How do you ask them to convert? So watch yourself. These are little things that the Lord wants us to use to reach out to our world. Be different, be distinct. Yeah, but I'm a business person. I do this and I do that. Listen to me. If you don't greet them, eh? many of them will not even notice. Praise God. If you know that in a period of time you are afraid, you get that they will notice for one week before the celebration and one week after the celebration go offline. You know the way people break up before Valentine. You to break up before Eid. Until you are bold enough. Praise God. Until you are bold enough. Hey, but if I don't greet them, they will not patronize me. Thank you for telling us that they are your God. Thank you for revealing. After all, you have now told us after all these years that they are your supplier. from me. You've told us. If I don't greet them, I will lose customers. How many are we in this world? Hallelujah. But the devil has and what you don't know is you are scattering. You are scattering. You are validating people in their unrighteousness and you are scattering. Glory to God. So, you've been called to the ecclesia. You're empowered. Use what you've been given. Spend time to pray. We were told yesterday of three basic things. Walk in love, supplication, and reconciliation. Start practicing those three basic things. Walk in love towards all men. Right? Labor to supplicate for people. That is the one, listen, that is that one, that one in a sense, right, is the easiest to pray for people. Just stay in one place and pray. Walk around, pray. You know people. At least you know the people who are sitting beside you now. Get their name. Every time you remember, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, my prayer is that your spirit will have his way in the life of this person and bring the Holy Ghost over their life. And keep doing that. But we must start. We must start and we must keep doing that. Glory to God in the highest. Can we pray together? Can we pray together? Hallelujah. Can we pray together? We're going to just pray now and then um, offering and that will close, right? Praise the Lord. Worship culture, thank you very much. We leave all other singing till tomorrow. It's going to be very, very fantastic time of, of praise and worship tomorrow. Praise God. Um, but I want us to pray together tonight. Would you please stand to your feet? Hallelujah.
American Medical School, the NCCM, there's Christian Medical, it's now CMDA. We had an anthem. And one line in that anthem reads thus. My part I will play. This vision to accomplish. Hallelujah. My part I will play. This vision to accomplish. Brothers and sisters, what you've heard over the past three days is that having become a Christian, there is a part for you to play. It's a part that belongs to you. Sister, what's your name? It belongs to you. It doesn't belong to me. You have your part. Belongs to you. It doesn't belong to me. He has his part. It belongs to me. It doesn't belong to me. Praise God. My part doesn't belong to him. That's why when God prepared him to come to Union Laurie, God had prepared me for him. Do, do you understand that? And there are people, listen, how did I enter into ministry? When I returned from Umwaiya where I went to serve, I knew in my heart that it was time God to start taking definite steps. And he had prepared my heart for it. How did he do it? He had prepared somebody for me. Praise God. He played his part. That is why I am present to play my part. And as I play my part, hallelujah, then others can find their part. But if you don't play your part, uh, choir sings, uh, soprano, tenor, alto. If soprano doesn't play their part, well, the whole thing becomes discordant. Do you understand? We do well by everybody playing their part and playing it well. He says, my part I will play. This vision to accomplish. You're going to pray tonight. They say, Lord, I know you have a vision for your church. And my part I will play so that your vision for the church is accomplished. Praise God. Do you hear me? That is where your glory is. That is where your beauty is. That is where your power is. That is where your privilege is. That is where your celebration is. That is where it is. Would you lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost? My part I will play for this vision to be accomplished. La Friends, it's a personal prayer. It's a personal prayer. Pray for yourself. Radi garusta, ila breketere de kando, rasanta yena la parate, ila breketere de kando, ratata de kanosa, ila fede de votere bratarata de karasta, ila breketere de kando, ratata de kabadeano de 
In Jesus' name. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible talks about husbands loving their wives. And then at the point of time, he says, No man yet hated his own flesh. He says, But loves it, nourishes, and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. To nourish the church and to cherish the church. Jesus Christ is constantly and continuously in the process of nourishing and cherishing the church. But he does it through men. The church cannot be properly taken care of without men playing their part. Hallelujah. If men fail to play their part, people in the church will suffer. Hallelujah. People in the church will suffer. In fact, the world will suffer a lot if people in the church fail to play their part. Listen. There is somebody 10 years down the line if Jesus Christ tarries that Jesus is making provision to take care of through what he's asking you to do today. Most of you who are here today, right here today, were not in this institution when MICC was started. Next tomorrow, or yeah, next tomorrow MICC will be 12. 12 years ago, where were you? Where were you 12 years ago? Not just at home. Were you in secondary school 12 years ago? You couldn't have been in secondary school. You were in what primary school? You were in primary school. Primary what? Primary 2, 12 years ago. But the Lord knew that in 2023 you will be in University of Illinois. So he asked some people to start a ministry. Prepare it for you. Hallelujah. If I did not play my part, you would be in luck now. Father, nobody will ever suffer luck because I do not play my part. Every book I should write, every song I should sing, every message I should preach, every exhortation I should give, every word of encouragement I should give, every company that I should start, 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will start it. I will start it. I will start it. Can you lift your voice and pray again? And pray, Lord, I will not be found guilty of negligence. I will not be found guilty of negligence. I will play my part in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to give you two quick stories and then we'll pray that prayer again because honestly, you need to press into the help of the Lord to say, Lord, I will not be found guilty of failing to play my part. Can I have an amen? amen. I heard the story of a man who is now a mature preacher and he was preaching and was talking about when he got, got saved maybe some 12 years earlier before he became a pastor. He says he got saved and somehow he was just prompted to enter into a particular office to preach. And that person in that office was an atheist. So he went to the person and started preaching to the person. And the person was rebutting everything he was saying. And after he finished preaching, he left. And he left. And uh, now some, so many years after the guy was still an atheist. So he said he felt foolish. He said, why would I go and, I mean, and the guy's still an atheist. Someday he was preaching in the meeting. And after he preached, this is almost 12 years or more after that. When he finished preaching, somebody walked up to him. And said, sir, I want to thank you for your contribution to my spiritual well-being. He said, I don't know you. He said, so, 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 and so years back, in so, 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 and so office, you came in and you were preaching to a man who was an atheist. And as you said this, he was saying this. He said, what you did not know, sir, is that before you came in, I was bent down under the desk doing something. Everything you were saying was touching me. He said, wipe down my meals. I reached out to God for salvation and I got saved. He said, what God asked you to do was not in vain. Another story about a man who became a very, 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 very useful tool in the hands of God. A missionary in India was preaching and going around and she got tired. She went to a particular house by the inspiration of God, knocked on the door and asked for water. The please, can I have water to drink? And this young boy came and gave her water. And in exchange for a cup of water, she gave him a Bible. That was it. Seemingly meaningless thing. Our part at times can be seemingly, seeming meaningless thing. Don't seem. It will just be as if you're just hitting against the rock and nothing is happening. But you'll be faithful in playing your part. I want you to pray tonight and say, Lord, whatever your part for me is, let me be faithful. To do it. The, the results of playing your part you may not understand until you reach eternity. But I want you to pray tonight as we bring it to a close and say, Lord, uh, whatever it looks like, 
uh, irrespective of how it seems irrelevant. Help me to play my part. To play my part efficiently and effectively in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that prayer for yourself, please. Pray that prayer for yourself, please. God has intentions of using you. God has intentions of generating great results and outcomes through your life. Would you please pray that prayer now? Pray, pray, pray. Lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. Grace to be faithful. Grace to be faithful. Grace to be faithful, Lord, we pray for tonight. Amasate libarosta. Alazate glicasata. Ilabroteke tila con calasia. Ungracate hepalasiata. Yembrekete lihatorasia. Let the story of my life be marked by faithfulness and playing my part. Libra donza te calabaye. Iata ye calacate. Ilangrosita la parejastas. Sendele le paratareana. Yekira cante de papalia. Porata te gadalega. Yandarata rabasata. Ele poquetere de parastasa. Yekete libaratia candalalai. Ele parosta santaia. In Jesus' name we pray. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. That's the last verse in Matthew chapter 6. Prior to that statement, Jesus had explained to the people how they don't need to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because one of the greatest tools with which the devil stops people from playing their part is their concerns about tomorrow. What they will eat. What they will wear. The money they will spend. How they will take care of their families. How they will send their children to school. How they too will be people in the congregation of God. Concerned. Concerned. It's the number one tool with which Satan succeeds at stopping people from playing their part. They're so concerned. Afraid. 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 I know people who God has given great assignment. But the fear of pursuing that assignment because of what we will eat. How we will pay for our accommodation. And so Jesus told them all those things. He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't labor. Your heavenly father feeds them. He says, look at the lilies of the valley. They don't spin. They don't do anything about clothing. He says, yet even Solomon. Solomon. 
in all his splendor, when he dresses up, is still not as beautiful as the meal that God. He says, if God takes care of these things that are today and tomorrow are gone, he says, will he not much more take care of you? O ye of little faith. People are afraid and have neglected their part. Because of sustenance. I want you to pray a simple prayer. Lord, grace to cast all my cares on. Grace to cast all my cares on. If your cares hold you, you can't play your part. If you have fears about tomorrow, you can play your part. Grace to be able to do whatever it is that is required. victory over the things that would have been concerns for me in following you. I really want to play my part for these concerns. For some of us, it's the fear of becoming unpopular, unknown. Apparently insignificant by the assessment of men. The Lord, I want to play my part. I want to do what you will have me do. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, wherever it is, wherever it is, wherever it is that I should go, whatever it is that I should do, help me with grace, O oh God, not to be kept back by concerns of the world. Lord, deliver me from Ojukokoro. Uh, um, um, I don't know how to say that. Maybe it's greed or, you know, just inordinate affections. Deliver me from them, Lord. Deliver me from them. So that I can focus. So that I will not mind and I will be able to focus. I'll be able to focus. 
It doesn't matter if I'm not driving what contemporaries are driving. It doesn't matter if I'm not where they are. It doesn't matter. Just, just let me fulfill my part. Help me to fulfill my part. That's what matters. Uh, let, let, it doesn't matter if I don't carry the titles they carry. It doesn't matter if I don't keep the companies they keep. Uh, just let me fulfill my part, oh Lord. Just help me to fulfill my part. It doesn't matter if I'm not known. Nobody, nobody celebrates my name. Just help me play my part. It's my part that matters, not people's assessment of me, Lord. I must play my part. I must play my part. I must play my part. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I must play my part. Thank you, Father. For time's sake, let us bring it to a close tonight. Grace, Lord, we receive tonight to fulfill your purpose for our life. Again, I declare, Lord, grace we receive tonight to fulfill your purpose for our lives against all odds. In the name of the Lord Jesus, grace to go the journey you've appointed for us. Grace to live the life you have called us to live. Grace to play the part you graciously have accorded to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for every man, every woman. I pray for every boy, every girl. Every father, every mother. Every son, every daughter of mine. Myself inclusive. That by the work of the spirit and the word. Every single one of us will succeed at playing our part. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you because we have the assurance that all other things are added unto us and your name is glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray.